0: Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. It was qualifying day at Formula One's inaugural Sakhir Grand Prix, which is the topic of our latest bite-sized podcast. Valtteri Bottas took pole for Mercedes, but it was a near-run thing as his new teammate George Russell ended up just 0.026 seconds adrift after the Black Arrows pair had completed the third of three runs they were given on this unusually short track. Max Verstappen finished third for Red Bull, joking that he'd uh, like to take the third place seat from the FIA press conference with him at the end of the season, such as been the amount of times he's occupied that space in the press conferences this year, while Charles Leclerc took a stunning fourth of Ferrari despite only doing one run right at the start of Q3. So, joining me to discuss all of that and more tonight is Autosports F1 reporter Luke Smith. Luke, it was a bit of an unusual qualifying without Lewis Hamilton for the first time in, well, since the end of 2006, let's face it. Uh, what did you make of that session?
1: I thought it was really enjoyable. I thought the the fact that it's such a short lap, such a quick lap, I thought that really opened things up a lot more. Allowed uh, teams to like Mercedes to do three runs in the final session instead of two. It was yeah, really really exciting I thought and I like sort of the I know it's I know it's not an oval and we've all been over that debate to death by now but it's kind of it's a similar kind of feel where it just keeps going and going and going qualifying and the laps got quicker and quicker it felt like and yeah I thought it was just a really fascinating session and I think there was a point in Q2 where we had half a tenth separating the top five on track which was really really exciting so yeah I think definitely one of the more memorable qualifying sessions of the year which uh no disrespect to Lewis Hamilton but when he is missing it does tend to sort of shake things up a little bit more let's say
0: it certainly did. It certainly did, and actually, as you mentioned, the gaps between Max Verstappen was within a tenth of Valtteri Bottas as well. So it was just phenomenally close all throughout the field, which is what you're going to get when you've got such a such a short lap. Um, but let's start with the the real big story. And you know, we, it's bizarre. I was thinking about this how um, you know there, there's inevitable accusations of uh, uh, of Autosport being a British uh, publication or British based <laughs> publication. I should say because we're definitely not a British publication. We, I think, I've always been taught. You know, we are a global publication that's what we cover is nationality has nothing to do with it you know maybe on the magazine you hand that up a little bit more because you're selling to people mainly in one country but in terms of the website anyway uh, it's all across the world Um, but the the only story in town really being you know no disrespect to Jack Aitken and Pietro Fittipaldi and Lewis Hamilton as well you know we wish him well away from the track but the main story really is George Russell and how he gets on uh, again and how he gets on up against Valtteri Bottas and, and he really did very 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 well I mean he said he he had a woeful FP3 which was which was interesting because you just can't tell out of the car you know how these things are going but obviously you know he wasn't on the pace as he was in on Friday session but just got better and better and better as qualifying went on and when Bottas didn't improve at the end Russell was able to and close the gap but uh, yeah Luke how 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 good did you think George Russell was uh, today?
1: Oh, I was phenomenal it really was and I think that as you said, he had a difficult FP3, and I think after all the hype that was built up after Friday, there was maybe a few question marks sort of thinking, well, is he actually that close to Bottas? Like, what's the real sort of pecking order between them? And uh, Toto Wolf revealed after qualifying that he and uh, James Val sat down with George for lunch and basically talked him through things and said, look, pressure's off. If you can get a top five result, that's great. That's all we're expecting. You'll be in the mix at the front but you don't need to worry about I've got to put it on the front row or anything like that. And and Toto Wolff said after qualifying that he felt a lot of pressure was eased from George's shoulders when they had had that conversation. And I think that really showed throughout qualifying. I mean, there wasn't really a point where he was a large distance behind Bottas. They did all their running in unison. Uh, Bottas, it was his turn to pick the running order between the two cars this weekend. He always wanted to go first. And they uh, they were so evenly matched. It was always a, a tenth at most that was really between them. So I thought that George did very, very well. And it's uh, a totally new environment. He knows people from the Mercedes team, obviously, from his time as part of the junior program but he's not been in that f1 team he's not worked on a race weekend with them like he is now he's not been in that car before until friday the seat was causing him problems during fp1 the steering wheel i mean even today uh, Toto toso wolf was saying that the the uh Paddles on the back of the steering wheel—they don't fit George's fingers as they should do because, again, it's not designed for him. So he's kind of got to make do as best he can, and it's—it's just amazing how he's got all of that going on, and yet he can still get within 26 milliseconds of pole positions. So I think it's just been an incredible display, and for all of the sort of hype that's building and all of the touting of him being a future—a future star, it's all justified. I think today without getting too ahead of ourselves maybe, but it shows that he is absolute quality to go in there. Day one, bam, stick it almost on pole, but on the front row of the grid
0: absolutely absolutely i mean and, and it gets the inevitable almost exhausting ridiculous accusations that oh it's all about the car and anybody can do it oh he was at the back and now he's at the front well i just think that shows the quality of george russell how good he is in comparison to valtteri bottas and potentially to, to lewis hamilton which is obviously no disrespect to either of those drivers just they're absolutely phenomenal uh, although the car is excellent you know i still think you need an exceptional driver to, to take it to the limit um it's interesting. I was thinking about uh, Bottas because he did a very good job. State propositions take nothing away from him. Um, he's kind of in a no-win scenario. If he if he beats Russell, everyone will say, well, you should be doing that because you've been in the car all year. And if he doesn't beat him by very much, like like he did today, the story is, well, he was way too close to you. And, and maybe why does Mercedes need you if it's going to have Lewis Hamilton in 2022, if, if Russell can do just as good a job of you? Even if you win, even you get pole position, you know Mercedes should take Russell. So, yeah, did you did you have any sympathy for Bottas in in, in that uh, that theory, Luke?
1: Yeah, a little bit, I think, because I think that he he has been so good through this year, particularly in qualifying, as we talked about on Thursday, and really really close to Lewis Hamilton. So I think that he's he's kind of doing everything he has to do. I mean, he's he, he's got pole position. If he goes out tomorrow and takes a lights to flag victory that's really the maximum he can do. And it's just this sort of hype that's building around George that means that, as you say, it's really difficult for Bottas to actually come away from this weekend with his stock value like notably improved or anything like that. So it's a, it's a really difficult one. But I think that, I mean, he said after qualifying, he was a bit, bit disappointed it wasn't sort of more of a margin. And he also said that he's, getting used to a new role at Mercedes as well because whereas before he's always been chasing because Lewis Hamilton as the greatest qualifier in F1 history is always going to be your reference now he's the reference it's a role reversal he's the one that George is looking to match he's the one that George is trying to follow and, and look to and it's really fascinating how Valtteri sort of adjusting to that and dealing with that and yeah he had a bit of a rocky Friday obviously had the, the floor damage in FP1 and then his time deleted in FP2 and it was sort of not really sure where exactly he was in in relation to George. But I think today, I think he did everything he could really. I mean, you're never, never going to take pole position by half a second around a 55-second lap. It's just not going to happen. So I think it's uh, he did what he had to do. He got pole, but really he's got to go out in the race tomorrow and be massively convincing if we're going to come away from this weekend not fawning over George Russell's uh, performance, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. It'd be really, really interesting to watch the start because obviously uh, Russell is starting where Bottas did last weekend and, and Bottas had a terrible start and George Russell, as we've sort of said, I mentioned that in my autosport.com plus feature last night after, after FP2 that historically he's not been very good at starting in the junior formulas and it's been really tricky for him at Williams uh, 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 this year as well. Speaking to Dave Robson, their uh their sort of chief engineer at Williams saying how you know for for, for, for a season review feature they'd be able to read an Autosport magazine and no doubt on Autosport.com plus as well that you know that he's just been it's just there's not a lot they can do but it has just been that system that's a little bit inconsistent and it's really really interesting uh, to see definitely at the start of the race tomorrow one to watch what happens when the lights come out which is let's face it always a pretty interesting time to watch a motor race um but yes uh, let, let's 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 look a little bit further down the grid. Red Bull, not very far down the grid. <laughs> Max just happened in third. <laughs> Does he have a hope of winning the race tomorrow?
1: Mm, I think the race pace is pretty good for, from Red Bull on Friday. And I think even Mercedes, they were saying that they were, they were surprised. Well, maybe not surprised, but I'll reword that. Even Mercedes, they were saying how impressed they were with Red Bull's pace. And uh, Christian Horner, he said during uh, FP2 that he even got a text from Toto Wolff saying, oh, you guys are looking pretty strong. And he said, I never get a text from Toto. So he, he was quite quite surprised by that. And I think that's that's something to watch for. I think that it will take a, it will obviously take a good start from, from Max from third place. And the fact that, once again, he's lacking that rear gunner in Alex Albon, who's down in 12th. I think that is, on a weekend when Mercedes are missing their star... Lewis Hamilton, and obviously Bottas and Russell, I mean, they're two very, very tough drivers to beat, but I think Max, the fact he's got to fight both of them single-handedly, he probably won't be too pleased about that. But that's really just been a running theme throughout this season. It's going to be a lot about the start. Everyone said it's going to be pretty difficult to overtake. Probably this weekend, there's going to be a lot of a lot of following. And while in the Formula Two race, I think we did see a lot of uh, sort of lunges and moves and stuff. It was and it was really entertaining. I think that yeah, once once the F1 guys get out there, it might be a little bit more difficult. But but we shall see. I think that I think Red Bull will. They're going into it with a sort of nothing-to-lose approach, and I think Max is... He's willing to give it everything. He wants to be aggressive. He was unhappy that they weren't... uh, They were too conservative with their strategy last weekend in Bahrain. So I think they'll probably learn some lessons from that, and he'll say, look, if we can roll the dice, take a risk. At worst, they're probably still going to finish third. So really is not a huge amount to lose. So why not try and go for it? Um, and I like that. I like seeing Max sort of like full gung-ho and let's absolutely smash it because that's that's really, I think, what brings out the best in him and has gives him the best chance of beating Mercedes. And hopefully for the rest of us, the best chance for a really exciting race as well.
0: Definitely, and I think that Mercedes um, needs to be very wary that any slip-up, And Max Verstappen is just waiting to pounce. He really is. He's been absolutely phenomenal this season. I think just, just for what it's worth, I think it's get, definitely going to be a two-stop race tomorrow because of the abrasive track surface, uh, the Bahrain track, even on the uh, on the outer loop obviously it's still the same uh, asphalt that went down back in 2003-2004 ahead of the first race in Bahrain. Um, yeah, 87 laps. It's going to be the highest lap count of the year because of how uh, how short the, the, uh, that layout is. And even though the, sort of, the demands on the tyres are a little bit less than they were on the full Grand Prix layout. It's still where tire weight is still going to be pretty high, as I say, because of that track surface. And uh, Pirelli reckon that the fastest two stopper should be two stints on the uh, medium tire of 26 laps each, plus one 35-lap stint on the hard tires. So with Mercedes being the only two uh, two cars to get through uh, Q2 on the mediums, that's presumably the strategy that they'll go for. Uh, another good uh, two stopper, according to Pirelli, is to do 21 laps on the softs us two stints on the hards, 33 laps each so perhaps that's what uh, Red Bull will go for um, but anyway looking uh, looking behind the top three again not very far down our next uh, point to talk about is Charles Leclerc superb in fourth for Ferrari which I'm pretty sure I am doing the top of my head I think that's his equal best result in qualifying this season and it, was, it just came out of nowhere because the Ferrari, you know, think they'd have a hope this weekend because of the engine deficit that they've got and the, and the draggy car and the, the track configuration. But he just popped it up. It was really bizarre and it, it came on that first run in Q3 where Mercedes had gone out on their sort of used tyres sort of get a sighter and build up towards the end of Q3. I asked, uh, Valtteri Bottas about that in the press conference he said it's just because of the short track that we had enough time to do it so we decided to do it um, and Leclerc and Verstappen were ahead of him at that point um, but Leclerc came back he heard on the team radio he just sounded like he'd really surprised himself he was like that was a good lap uh, came in and then got out of the car why did he do that Luke?
1: Um I thought it was at first I thought it was like an ultimate badass driver move where you're like look I- I'm done like I can't do any better than that I've done the perfect lap I'm out I- I'm-, I'm done and dusted thrown in the towel I can't better that and it actually turned out unfortunately it was just that he had one set of tyres so he only ever had one chance to do a lap in Q3 and uh, he explained after qualifying that he wanted to do it early he felt that he feared that the end of qualifying could become a bit of a mess as drivers sort of backed up to try and find a space we saw that in F2 qualifying on Friday when uh, Mick Schumacher and Roy Nissany had a collision so I think there were concerns about that from all of the drivers and it was discussed in the briefing on Friday and everyone kind of said look lads let's not be silly let's take it easy as we can so uh yeah so Charles was sort of had that in his mind and thought look I want to go nice and early try and get in the lap and it was a superb lap it really was and uh, he popped up second on the time sheets he had one purple sector shuffled down to fourth in the end once the the Mercedes drivers went quicker but it was a brilliant brilliant lap and he actually explained after qualifying that he studied uh, Pierre Gasly's onboard footage from FP3 because he felt he wasn't getting enough time he thought I'll oh, look at some of the other drivers and he saw what Gasly was doing particularly in the um sort of exiting turn eight onto turn nine and onto the back straight and uh, he said that he saw Pierre was taking a lot more curbs so he thought oh I might give that a go and try that and it worked it gained him a load of time and he said he felt so comfortable with it and so good doing that so yeah brilliant display from Charles Leclerc again I, I, I did a tweet saying um, George Russell was Mr Saturday and I had a few replies going I think Charles Leclerc might have something to say about that and I think after today yeah that was probably one of the one of the standout qualifying displays we've seen from a driver this season
0: Absolutely. Stunning from Leclerc, but I might I suggest that he watched the wrong Alpha Tauri drivers uh, uh, on boards because Daniel Kvyat ends up sixth and Pierre Gasly ninth. So how much time Leclerc would have found had he watched the Russian drivers <laughs> on board, I don't know. But anyway, being flippant there, of course, uh, let's move on Luke, to our final topic to discuss on tonight's podcast. And that is going uh, down towards the back of the grid where we've got the, uh, the two drivers making their F1 debuts this weekend. Jack Aitken and Pietro Fittipaldi in uh, an excellent qualifying session. Uh, for, for both, admittedly, considering how little time they've had to prepare in the car, Aitken ends up 18th and Fittipaldi is last in 20th. But either side of uh, F1's most experienced driver are these two complete rookies, Kimi Raikkonen finishes 19th for Alfa Romeo. But, um, but yeah, how, what, what did you think of the two drivers? I thought I, I thought it was really interesting at Williams. First I think 2 or 3 runs in Q1. Akin was ahead of Latifi and maybe that slight messy lap on the final runs meant Latifi got back through but nevertheless um a brilliant effort from Akin but yeah look what did you what did you make of uh, of Akin and Fittipaldi today?
1: I thought they both did a really good job. Again, it's all been very last minute for them and Jack Aitken, he's not driven that car since the Styrian Grand Prix and he obviously has a lot of running in practice yesterday. But then in qualifying, yeah, as you said, the first two runs he did, he was ahead of Latifi, not by much, but again, you're never going to be having a big margin around this circuit. And he was in really, really good shape. And then, as you said, on the final run, a little bit of a mistake at the final corner, ran a bit wide, cost him probably the 10th that was the gap to Latifi in the end. But hardly a a huge gulf of time that you're going to worry about so i think it's brilliant and it's really good to see because jack has had such a bad year in f2 not by a lot of his own doing he's really really struggled so to basically come into f1 at the last minute have a proven f2 race winner and a driver who's been pretty decent for the most part Nicholas tv this year he's not disgraced himself at all and to immediately be on pace with him. I think that really speaks to how well Jack is performing and uh, how much he deserves this opportunity. So yeah, I thought that was really cool to see from Aitken. And uh, for Fittipaldi, yeah, again, he, I mean, he's had even longer out of an F1 car. So that was even more of a sort of throwing him into cold water. But he did a good job and uh, he was used as a, a to try and give Kevin Magnussen a toe because they knew with the, the grid penalty for the power unit changes on Fittipaldi's car that he'd be starting last anyway. So they thought, well, we may as well use him to try and help Magnussen get into Q2 didn't quite work in the end but yeah again he wasn't a mil- million miles off his teammates so i think both of them deserve a huge amount of credit and as much as we're sort of buzzing over george russell i think that yeah the two newbies at the back of the grid they definitely deserve a, a, a round of applause for their display today and just really hope they can bring it home tomorrow and just do a do a pretty good job for their first grand prix
0: Indeed and I completely agree with, uh, with that sentiment Luke
1: um, and I think that's
0: a, a very good positive uh, point to end this podcast so thank you very much for coming on tonight and thanks to everybody listening along. Now just before we go we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out on Thursday and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday packed full of news analysis and the usual stunning photography and of course if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast.
1: Amazon is now hiring near you for the holiday season and they're looking for team members who know that delivering important packages really matters. From boxing it up to sending it on its way, every package Amazon delivers matters to someone. Are you ready to start delivering smiles that can make someone's every day? Are you ready for benefits and flexible shifts? Immediate hourly roles are available at amazon.com apply. That's amazon.com apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.